We welcome you to this edition of Your Health New Hampshire, presented by Southern New Hampshire Area Health Education Center. This is a program that focuses on wellness and health education. And today's episode is all about the workforce, talking about some of the great work being done to support, educate, and grow the healthcare workforce throughout New Hampshire. And uh, joining us today in studio, uh, once again, is Jody Harper. Jody, great to have you with us. Oh, it would be best if I turn on your mic. (laughs) Jody Harper, Associate Director at Southern New Hampshire AHEC. Great to have you back, Jody. Hi, thanks for having me. We have uh, on the telephone uh, Paula Smith, uh, Associate Director at Southern New Hampshire AHEC. And in studio, uh, Lynn Carpenter, owner of Navlin Resources and the Program Director for the New Hampshire Needs Caregivers Program. What an all-star lineup we have here today. <laughs> that, yes, that, we do. That is terrific. So, uh, Paula, you haven't been with us uh, for a while here on the program, so uh, just tell uh, our audience a little bit about uh, you and, and your background. Sure. Well, I um, have been the director of the Southern New Hampshire AHEC for more than 25 years. I'm really passionate about workforce because I feel like we really need to have people um, ready and and trained to be able to take care of us right when we're ill and to help us prevent illness. So I'm really interested in um, talking to adults who want to change their careers and do something in health or engage youth in becoming a healthcare worker. And those people are always necessary. That uh, is for sure. Absolutely. And uh, Lynn, tell us a little bit more about yourself. Hi there. Uh, my name is Lynn Carpenter, and I actually started my career in healthcare over 30 years ago in the dental field. I worked as a dental hygienist for about seven years, and uh, in one of my clinical rotations, fell in love with uh, long term care, became a nursing home administrator, and worked in that capacity for about 20 years. And uh, am currently the owner of Navlin Resources, which is a consulting. Uh, business in New Hampshire. Uh, I did continue my education and have a doctor of health administration. So I do a lot of work supporting uh, organizations and facilities, but also in growing the workforce in New Hampshire. Well, certainly everyone realizes that the workforce took a big hit during COVID. Uh, It has seemed to uh, bounce back uh, pretty well. I don't know if we're, you know, as uh, you know, as as good as we were, as in as good a shape as we were before mm-hmm. COVID. But uh, we seem to be getting there. So, why are we talking about this this topic today? Well, one of the reasons uh, that we're talking about it, though, the the workforce has recovered, I'll say, somewhat from the COVID pandemic. The demand for healthcare workforce continues to increase. While our supply of workers has and will continue to decrease, uh, you may know New Hampshire is the second oldest state in the country. Uh, our birth rates in numbers of the population age 55 and under have decreased. And it's estimated, uh, according to the Commission on Aging 2023 annual report, that an additional 24,000 direct care workers will be needed in the next five years. Another uh, consideration, important consideration, is that 29% uh, of the healthcare workers are expected to retire soon. 
So we're already in a situation where we don't have enough healthcare workforce. We're anticipating more retirements and there's going to be a greater demand for services uh, due to the population becoming older. Yeah, and if I could jump in, I think for for this idea of us all becoming older, right, myself included, you know, one of the focuses of some of the programming that we do for our evidence-based self-management is to help working with prevention, right? Yeah. As people get older, they ha- get more chronic illness. And so if we can promote healthy lifestyles, um, that takes the burden off of the health system, right? Because we're doing more in prevention and we're preventing disease from happening as much as possible so that we can have people living a healthy life, you know, for as long as possible. And so the workforce is crucial um, because there are people out there who need to be working on prevention and helping people, you know, avoid um, avoid prediabetes and, and diabetes and to really promote healthy nutrition and more activity. Um, and so we need workforce in acute care as well. Um, but right now, I think prevention would really be a good a good focus area for everybody. Yeah, absolutely. And the workforce needs across the state are strong for all of healthcare. I mean, I was at a meeting earlier today where um, someone had mentioned that there's over 300 current positions opened, like as of today, when we're recording this for the community mental health centers across the state. So that is all levels from the psychiatrists that can prescribe the medications down to the front desk, people that can check folks in and out, caseworkers, all levels of the organization. So that right there, I think, is just really telling, you know, just a point in time snapshot. And that's statewide. So that's, you know, all the way up in Coas County. We've got, um, you know, from Berlin all the way down down to, to Seabrook. Everything is needed and everything needs to be supported. And really at AHEC, we really firmly believe that education and employment are really key drivers of social determinants of health. So we've talked a bit about SDOH is kind of the lingo on past episodes where our ability to play or where we play, work, pray and stay has an impact on our ability to be healthy. And so for someone, if they are looking for jobs, there's that added stress of, you know, if you're struggling with employment, there's added stress, there's inability to be well. And we live in a society where insurance is unfortunately tied to our employment. And so people can't access the systems they need anyway without employment. But then we look at the other end where the the supply there's just not enough people you know you might have to wait eight months for a visit which is you know not okay in our books absolutely one thing i can add to that as an example uh, one of the areas of the state uh, has experienced that they have enough physician staff or doctors uh, to see patients but they don't have enough support staff Mm -hmm. and because of the lack of medical assistance they're having to push Uh, patient prevention visits like wellness checks and annual physicals out for months to your point Jody Um, and again that's because they don't have the medical assistant staff to support um, the doctors in the in the work that they do. How do we compare to um, other states as far as our status is concerned with uh, with health workers? We are I would say comparable to other states um, were, I will say anecdotally, because I don't have any numbers in front of me, um, probably I'll say a little worse off because we do have an older population Mm -hmm. of the state. uh, And traditionally, the uh, reimbursement rates in New Hampshire have been some of the lowest in the country. Mm -hmm. And 
that reimbursement affects uh, the salary and wages that we're able to offer to be competitive and it has caused some of the workforce in New Hampshire to go work at neighboring states. So some opportunity there as well. Yeah, definitely. And I'd love, Paula, if you wanted to talk a little bit, we have an exciting opportunity to really, as a state, surround the need for healthcare workforce support. And um, there's been legislation introduced in Senate Bill 403FN, which will start hearings in January. Um, Paula, do you want to give us a snapshot of that one? Yeah, I would, I would love to, and I think it's a great opportunity to promote um, the workforce because, you know, when, when we were talking about not enough people, one of the other things that happens is in acute care hospitals, people, you know, get treated for their acute illness and then they need to go somewhere else, but um, a lot of direct care workers are needed or else if there's no beds for them in a nursing home or um, a rehab facility, for example, you know, they're, then they're stuck in the hospital taking up a bed that maybe somebody else could use. So I don't want to forget about that. Um, so as Jody said, um, Senate Bill uh, 403FN um, was introduced, uh, or it will be introduced. Uh, Senator Rosenwald from Nashua is one of the sponsors. There are a number of other sponsors also. And this bill will actually um, feed into student loan repayment. Um, so student loan repayment, sometimes you'll hear it called SWERP, um, gives people, if they're working in an underserved area, um, some assistance to pay off their tuition um, based on where they're serving in the community. And so um, investing some in that. There's also um, a rural residency program because sometimes there are shortages in the northern part of the state and the more rural part of the state. So Coas County Family Health Services has a rural residency program where we're trying to grow our own and, and keep people um, in New Hampshire as a healthcare provider. Um, and then there's another piece about community health worker certification, which would help grow that um, health profession, um, helping make the connection between um, the community and uh, the medical system. And so those are some of the key components of SB um, 403. Very good. And uh, so uh, what, the opportunities to uh, grow and support the workforce in New Hampshire are, are definitely there. And uh, we'll get into more of that when we return. We have to take a quick break on this edition of uh, Your Health New Hampshire, presented by Southern New Hampshire Area Health Education Center, a program that focuses on wellness and health education. Stay with us. We will be right back here on WKXL and nhtalkradio.com. Stay with us. We welcome you back to this edition of Your Health New Hampshire right here on WKXL, nhtalkradio.com, presented by Southern New Hampshire Area Health Education Center. This is a program that focuses on wellness and health education. And today we're talking all about the uh, workforce, talking about some of the great work being done to support, educate, and grow the healthcare workforce throughout the state of New Hampshire. And uh, Jody Harper is here, Associate Director at uh, Southern New Hampshire AHEC. And uh, also with us is uh, Lynn Carpenter, owner of the Navlin, uh, at Navlin Resources and the Program Director for the New Hampshire Needs caregivers program and we thank uh, Paula Smith for being with us in the uh, first segment of today's program and and Lynn going back to 
what we touched on in the uh, first segment, the opportunities to, to grow and support the uh, healthcare workforce here in New Hampshire. Yes, thank you. Uh, so just to wrap up uh, some of the thoughts on that, uh, I had mentioned in the last segment that New Hampshire has traditionally had some of the lowest, specifically Medicaid reimbursement rates in the country. And uh, last uh, session of um, the legislation, uh, there was a, a there were actually a few bills passed to address that, and Medicaid reimbursement rates um, saw the the largest increases um, in many many years since I've been in healthcare yeah. anyway, um, with an additional 134.2 million added to um, Medicaid reimbursement in the state of New Hampshire. So I'm hopeful that uh, we'll find permanent and sustainable ways um, to to grow and retain the workforce with that increased reimbursement. Some of the other things that we can do to grow and support the workforce in New Hampshire include, to Paula's point, providing wellness opportunities to older and disabled adults to support health and quality of life, that prevention, preventing people um, from becoming ill in the first place. And big topic here in New Hampshire, opportunities for uh, childcare and housing to attract and retain healthcare workers. We could probably have a whole (laughs) session uh, just on those two topics. Yeah, Um, I think there's not a day that goes by where I don't have a conversation about one or both of those things. So that those, I know there are a lot of efforts in the state um, to, to work on both of those, uh, which should help to uh, improve retaining the current staff uh, yeah. in healthcare, but also bring some, some new uh, staff into the, into the profession. Uh, bringing uh, incentives to bring those who have left the state for college to return to New Hampshire to establish and continue their careers. Uh, I always use my niece as an example who (laughs) left to go to Maine for nursing school because she loved the campus and uh, really loved the seacoast and plans to come back to New Hampshire. I will drag her here if she doesn't. (laughs) Um, But we uh, we want those incentives to bring those that go to go to school out of state uh, yeah. to come back to, to start their careers um, and then providing opportunities and awareness to, to students. And I know we'll talk about that yeah. later. Yeah, that pipeline building, because well. really the, the research tells us there's no such thing as too young of an age to introduce someone to health careers. We're actually working on doing a new coloring book now. We had this coloring and activity book we did in like 2005, I think, or 2006 when Paula um, was early on in her AHEC days and we're working on version two. So really trying to think about like what are some ways to engage the whole age span in, in how to work in healthcare, but, you know, consume healthcare and really just exposing them to all sorts, you know, everywhere they turn, they can see that there's jobs and opportunities for them. Yes, yes, that will be very important. Yeah, absolutely so. We mentioned that uh, Lynn is the program director for the New Hampshire Needs Caregivers uh, uh, Program. And uh, how is the, the program going? It's going really well, and and thank you again for having me back today. I know I talked about this a few months ago uh, at a in a different segment. Um, just as a reminder, the New Hampshire Needs Caregivers is a program to recruit recruit and support individuals who are interested in becoming a licensed nursing assistant and either currently employed or committed to employment in skilled nursing or a long term care facility. 
and uh, we have funding to help individuals finding a course, uh, paying for the, the tuition, uh, which is about $2,200 for the LNA course, mm-hmm. and assist uh, up to 200 Im- individuals in finding employment. Um, I, to provide an update to you, we've had tremendous interest in the program. And as I was preparing for today, I looked back to compare uh, June to November, a six-month period of this past year, 2023. We've had 978 individuals express interest in the program. Those same time periods, looking back to 2022 and 2021, we had between 211 and 478. So the the level of interest has drubble, doubled. Um, yeah, that's incredible. Wow. I mean, yes. almost doubled the total interest in general in yes. these last six months. Any idea why the uptick? Well, I think a few, a few things. I think that things, quote unquote, getting back to normal yeah. in healthcare has helped. Um, we've also tried some different recruitment campaigns uh, through our social media, Facebook, Instagram. Um, small changes like showing a, a caregiver uh, with with a patient or with a oh, resident, yeah. and creating some stories around those to to draw interest. Um, and I think that those have been really successful in getting people interested and reaching out to request more information. Yeah. Yeah. We had an episode. uh, Oh, gosh, I don't even remember when now, but all about storytelling and in that storytelling piece, really, that that can draw people in in such a different way, which I think is fascinating. Yeah. Uh, Is this available for men as well as women? It's available for anyone age 16 or over Mm -hmm. uh, who's interested in working, again, a skilled nursing or long term care facility. Um, people do need to realize that it is healthcare. So twenty four seven, there's needs you know around the clock. Um, but anyone who's interested, whether it be a high school student age sixteen or over, to uh, you know someone that's looking for a second or even a third career later in life. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, so you get people from all walks of life. We we do, and I wanted to share a little bit of feedback that I've received recently from participants. Um, one of them wrote to me and said, I accepted a full-time position I started on Tuesday. I'm so grateful to you and New Hampshire need, Needs Caregivers for the opportunity to go back to school and re- reinvent myself at age 50. Wow. So oh, that it is tells so you powerful. the story of uh, you know the diverse group that we're working with. I had another one uh, that just wrote to me this morning and said, this is truly wonderful. You, you've you saved me. I've dreamt mm-hmm. of this for many years. I just always put my kids first, and now I can do that and also focus on me. Thank you again for giving me this great experience. So uh, that individual is currently finishing up her class um, and will start employment next month in January. Oh my goodness, that's so, I've got goosebumps just hearing yeah, that. That's, that's wonderful and, feedback. And, and again, uh, just give people, the, you have to be at least 16 years of age. Yes. Uh, what are the other uh, eligibility requirements? Uh, it, again, ability to, to be able to work some weekends and potentially evening or, or night shifts. Uh, obviously, someone that's very caring and compassionate yeah. uh, and, and wants to, to care for others uh, is also an important quality. Um, 
I, I do also want to share with you just some some updates since June, uh, June through November. We've awarded 85 scholarships uh, to New Hampshire Needs Caregivers participants. 78 have completed uh, an LNA course, and I have another 36 currently enrolled wow. in courses. So we'll be over 100 uh, in the next couple of months, definitely. Um, 67 participants have obtained their LNA license. And uh, so far, June through the end of November, again, we have uh, employment for 39 of those participants. That data does lag a little bit and sometimes is challenging to obtain. Yeah. Um, but uh, it really excited about the outcomes that we've experienced so far and hoping uh, with the um, Senate Bill 403 that our program will continue to be funded beyond May. Yeah, that the the numbers are just really impressive. I mean, to think about 78 people who have finished the class, because really just getting into class can be such a barrier. You know, some of us might think, oh, $2,200, that's nothing. But really, that can be a game changer for somebody. And there's some other supports that you're able to offer, right? Some coaching or some kind of one-on-one. You know, if someone's got any barriers to participating in the program, they can be like, Lynn, help me think about this. Like, how can I, you know, my car, if my head gasket blew and I can't get to class, you know, where are the other places I can go for resources? So there's a lot of linking and connecting to to what's out there to make sure that people are set up for success with this. Yes. Outstanding. Well, we're learning a lot today uh, yeah. on this program and uh, terrific opportunities out there. If you'd like to get into the healthcare field, we're chatting today with uh, Jody Harper, the Associate Director at uh, Southern New Hampshire AHEC, and also Lynn Carpenter, owner of uh, Navlin Resources and the Program Director for the New Hampshire Needs Caregivers Program. This is Your Health, New Hampshire, presented by Southern New Hampshire Area Health Education Center, a program that focuses on wellness and health education right here on WKXL, nhtalkradio.com, and we will be right back. Stay with us. We welcome you back to Your Health, New Hampshire, here on WKXL, nhtalkradio.com, presented by Southern New Hampshire Area Health Education Center, a program that focuses on wellness and health education. Joining us in studio today, Jody Harper, Associate Director at Southern New Hampshire AHEC, and Lynn Carpenter, who is the owner of Navlin Resources and the Program Director for the New Hampshire Needs Caregivers Program, which uh, we uh, learned quite a bit about in the last segment. And uh, now we'd like to focus on uh, Project First Line. And uh, Lynn, what can you tell us about that? Yeah, thank you uh, for giving me the opportunity to, to talk about this uh, new project, I will say, or new to uh, new to us at Southern New Hampshire AHEC, um, who I'm, I'm very pleased to be working closely with their team to roll this program out in New Hampshire. So wanted to start by just giving a bit of a background. Uh, Project First Line is a program of the Centers for Disease Control or and Prevention, otherwise known as the CDC. And uh, the CDC contracted with the New Hampshire Department of Public Health and specifically their Healthcare Associated Infections Program, or HAI. 
And the purpose of HAI, the HAI department under the Department of Public Health, is to prevent and reduce healthcare-associated infections. So you might ask, what is a healthcare-associated infection, or HAI? Um, it's a type of infection a patient gets when receiving care, typically for another condition. So it might uh, be a patient that goes in to have a knee replacement and acquire an infection at the surgical site after mm -hmm. the surgery. Um, or maybe you have the knee surgery and you need to have a catheter during the surgery and uh, you uh, acquire a catheter-associated urinary tract infection. So um, there are some healthcare-associated infections that are more common, such as pneumonia, uh, blood or surgical site infection, and catheter-associated yeah. UTIs or urinary tract infections. So it's, it's not um, something that people, I don't think, generally know much about, but they are very common. Uh, yeah. Unfortunately, yes. and difficult some in some circumstances to prevent. So, Project First Line aims to provide infection prevention and control education to all frontline healthcare workers, with the goal to prevent and reduce these healthcare-associated infections. Okay. Um, Project First Line itself offers a number of resources and training materials to achieve this goal. And I, I can say, uh, for me, I've, again, been in the field for many years, and particularly going through my dental training or, or training to be a dental hygienist, did a lot of training and education and eventual practice of infection prevention. And no matter to me how many times you take microbiology or some of the other courses, you can always learn something. Yeah. And one of the best parts of Project First Line, I think, is that it starts with the why. And I'm a big fan of Simon Sinek, Start With yes. Why. Me and too. by helping our healthcare workers to understand the why behind why it's important to disinfect a piece of equipment between patient use or wipe down a patient's skin before mm -hmm. giving an injection. Um, when they understand that why, they are typically more engaged and intrinsically motiva motivated. So for the most part, people want to do the right thing. Yeah. And understanding the why uh, helps them with that. The Project First Line offers many, many resources and education in multiple languages, such as Spanish and multiple uh, Asian languages as well. And the different segments of Project First Line can be done in a very short time period. So you can pull staff together, frontline staff together for five minutes and really? do a quick micro training on something specific, like how to identify uh, risks in the healthcare environment, or how to utilize a, um, a cleaning product the best way. Oh, that's fascinating and really helps. I mean, because in healthcare, it's so quick. There's not not time for for a lot of like sit down and have a big meeting. So that fits right into the huddles that are happening in a lot of uh, in a lot of clinical spaces. Absolutely, and and. This is a great, uh, something that can be incorporated into huddles. Yeah. When we go back to 
a, a couple segments ago, we were talking about why workforce and and the challenges in recruiting and retaining workforce. Staff don't have a lot of time to sit in a training, to yeah. your point. So this offers quick, short, but very effective trainings um, for the, the staff or um, it, it also offers many interactive uh, opportunities as well. Um, so I'm excited to, again, work with the team to provide these, um, these resources. Yeah, well, and hey, from the AHEC team, we're pretty thrilled to have more projects to bring you in closer to the fold. So Yeah. <laughs> and, and I'm sure it uh, has a lot of benefits for the uh, community as well. It, it does. Um, this will ultimately serve patients and the community by providing education and resources to places like hospitals, nursing homes, assisted living, but also uh, hemodialysis or dialysis centers and correctional facilities. Oh, so we don't typically think of correctional facilities as healthcare, yeah. but healthcare is delivered there. So working with the correctional staff to help them better identify where the risks might be to prevent um, the spread of infection. Um, also, emergency medical services, EMS and fire departments will be able to offer uh, services to them as well. Oh, that's incredible. Wow. Really kind of thinking outside the box. Yes. Yeah, that, yeah. that, that is good to know. I'm, I'm sure there are one you talk about, you know, disinfecting items when you go to a dentist or, or a doctor. A doctor and, uh, and I'm sure a lot of people are, are curious about that and, and wonder, especially when they might be just sitting alone in that room saying, geez, I, 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 I wonder if this is like germ-free, you know. I'm, I'm sure a lot of that goes through the minds of a lot of people. Yeah. Absolutely, and it should. Um, and I think that you know another piece of some of the work we're doing in Project First Line, and this really is attributed to the the HAI staff under Department of Public Health. Uh, they've actually started a community of practice with patients or residents in oh, cool. facilities. So uh, they are actually coming together once a month and learning about hand washing, as an example, and how can they participate. How can they uh, ensure that uh, they are offered the opportunity to wash their hands before a meal, as an example, and really being a part of and an advocate for their own environment? So not being afraid to say to the nurse who might be coming in or the dining services person bringing their tray, hey, before you open that for me or before you touch my silverware, could you yeah. wash your hands? Um, yeah, that's awesome, because that's a hard thing to be able to do. A lot of times in clinical settings, you can feel a little bit overwhelmed because the person in the room with you is, you know, they've got the training, they've got the license, they've got the credentials. And to say, hey, hold on, like, I, ne I need to advocate for myself is not easy. That is really neat. Well, and I think, again, I'm going back to my my days as a dental hygienist when when I had busy days and I was running behind, I felt like... I had to just do everything quickly to take care of the next patient. Yeah. And when the patient's saying to me, no, take 20, 30 seconds mm -hmm. to wash your hands again, I feel like I can do that. Yeah. Um, and it, that may sound silly, but it's we're all a team together, the patient and, um, and the caregivers. So uh, some of the specific trainings and resources that I just think are really neat and kind of different um, – are basics like how germs make people sick. So again, the mm -hmm. why behind why we're doing this. 
for saying to our environmental services staff, this is why it's important that you follow this procedure. And we're teaching them and helping yeah. them to understand how germs actually make people sick. They can better understand why their role is so important. Um, they've also created a Project First Line escape room. Uh, oh, wow. <laughs> that will be uh, rolling out and in, in using in some of our trainings so that uh, the people coming to the trainings can take those back to their facilities or organizations. They have these other short interactive resources, too, that we'll be uh, sharing with others, such as, quote, unquote, the diarrhea dilemma or fidgeting Felix gets an IV. Um, so they're very engaging and sound yeah. kind of silly, but help staff to walk through the process and the steps that they could take to prevent the spread of infection. Oh, yeah. And, and that helps, you know, some of the education behind that is, you know, when it's it's gamified or it's really engaging, like you're going to learn it better and you're going to retain it better, which is exciting. Absolutely. And we are learning a lot today <laughs> on this edition of uh, Your Health New Hampshire, presented by Southern New Hampshire Area Health Education Center, a program that uh, focuses on wellness and health education. Jody Harper uh, in studio, Associate Director at Southern New Hampshire AHEC, and Lynn Carpenter, owner of Navlin Resources and the Program Director for the New Hampshire Needs Caregivers Program. And New Hampshire does need uh, caregivers. Yes, there's, there's no doubt about that. We will take a break and we're heading down the home stretch of, of this show, but uh, we will be back right after these words on WKXL and nhtalkradio.com. Stay with us. to our final segment today of Your Health, New Hampshire, right here on WKXL, nhtalkradio.com. We are presented by Southern New Hampshire Area Health Education Center. This program focuses on wellness and health education. Jody Harper is with us, Associate Director at Southern New Hampshire AHEC, and Lynn Carpenter, owner of Navalin Resources and the Program Director for the New Hampshire Needs Caregivers Program. Great to have both of these ladies uh, in studio uh, today. We're talking about uh, the workforce, talking about some of the uh, great work being done to support, educate, and grow the healthcare workforce throughout the state of New Hampshire. And uh, Lynn, uh, what is the PHI Coaching Academy? Yeah, so uh, happy to be here and, and talk about this as it's uh, just exciting that we're bringing this to New Hampshire, but also uh, near and dear to my heart, uh, certainly. Uh, PHI was formerly known as the Paraprofessional Health Institute, and they are a national organization that does a lot of work um, promoting ways to support our direct caregivers. Uh, so our home health aides, licensed nursing assistants, uh, in other states, CNAs, or certified nursing assistants. And uh, years ago, probably 20 years ago, they developed a what's called a coaching approach curriculum. And they really set out to provide staff with uh, leadership staff, management staff, with a way to enhance and grow their communication skills with the goal of retaining 
uh, the direct care workers. Ooh, so cool. the the idea was back when uh, really nursing homes, long-term care, were really talking about culture change and moving from a, a punitive, you know, Susie called out three times, let's fire her, to let's sit down and work with Susie and find out what's happening and how we can support her being successful. And so the curriculum has evolved over the years, and uh, Jody will talk a little more about the logistics, but Southern New Hampshire AHEC has been working with uh, the state AHEC uh, out of Dartmouth and North Country Health Consortium, along with uh, Dartmouth, Dartmouth Health and Network for Health to uh, bring this training to New Hampshire statewide. Uh, the training will hopefully I'm certain of it anyway, help to retain staff and provide managers in healthcare settings with the skills and practice to be able to really coach and mentor the staff. Uh, the curriculum itself provides a lot with communication skills. So active listening, including paraphrasing and asking open-ended questions mm-hmm. um, to uh helping management staff participants identify their triggers. So uh, one of my triggers I know was when someone doesn't show up for work Mm -hmm. um, or they not only they don't show up, but they don't tell anybody that they're not coming. (laughs) And so you learn how to suspend those uh, those triggers, that immediate reaction that wants to come out of you and quote unquote, pull back so that you can address the issue with the staff person in a way that's clear and direct, that's free from blame, and that shows belief in a resolution. So Jody, if you yeah. had been someone maybe that had, had not come to work one day saying, Jody, in the past month, you've come to work 29 out of 30 days. Yesterday, I noticed you weren't here. Tell mm-hmm. me about that. And having you tell me, well, this happened and that happened, and I can't come up with a solution for you, but I can help guide you to the solution and show belief that you've come in 29 out of the 30 days. I know you can be successful. Let's figure this out together. Yeah, what a what a kind and person-centered approach. I think it, this is geared towards healthcare, but man, when I first started supervising people, um, I think it was 16 years ago was my when I had my first full-time person who reported to me, I wish I had had something like this. Um, I had to kind of just learn on the fly. And I went to social work school, which definitely helped. Yes. But um, this is a great resource, I think, that's it coming. Really We're excited is. to bring it to the state. And to your point, I can remember actually going through the training for the first time. I, I became a trainer years ago for the company I was working for. But Went through the training the first time when I was pregnant with my second son. Mm-hmm. And I still to this day tell him that he's very lucky that he wasn't my firstborn <laughs> because my skills improved greatly. Yeah, um, It does help to hold the staff accountable because they're coming up with their own solutions. Yeah. But you're doing it in a way that's supportive and again, not placing blame. Yeah. And I think it's something really we can see, you know, your experience is so valuable from from having done this before. And we're thrilled to bring it back to new or I, don't, I guess I don't know if it ever really left. But this is my first foray with the, the PHI model. And so starting in January, we'll be having a training for those that want to become trainers. Like Lynn had mentioned, she was a trainer for her agency. 
so she could go to other buildings and do the training for the leaders. So that will be on the show notes, but starting, it's a six part, or excuse me, a three part series. So it's two days in January two days in February and two days in May. And thanks to all of that long list of supporters that Lynn had mentioned, the program is free. So this is something we're able to bring free to New Hampshire, thanks to our generous sponsors and supporters. And we'd really love to get some people throughout the state who are interested in le- learning how to become a trainer that then we can go and kind of blanket the the agencies throughout the state. I'll, I'll be in there in that class doing the training. So um, we're we're thrilled about making sure that these opportunities to to learn about support and supervision because a lot of agencies you know they don't have the budget to give professional development for their staff especially once you become a manager there's less time to take that out of your day to do continuing education and professional development so this is a way that kind of makes it easy for employers to offer it and we're we're thrilled to to be able to grow the reach it's really exciting. I think that New Hampshire is the only state that's bringing that has ever brought it to as a statewide yeah. forum. It's been uh, in pockets, kind of around the state, in different uh, entities, but never uh, open to everyone statewide or all organizations. So, really excited for that. So, Lynn, what can you tell us about the uh, the Healthcare Heroes program? Yeah, so uh, back when the pandemic hit, uh, we saw those working in healthcare repeatedly go above and beyond the call of duty. Um, And since then, uh, since 2020, I should say during the pandemic, we've honored dozens of these individuals in New Hampshire as healthcare heroes. The effort was so well received and has been over the past three years now um, that we're going to be doing it again in 2024. Uh, these healthcare heroes, their stories are so powerful and inspirational, and our hope is that it may encourage others to consider a, a career in healthcare. So, we are asking healthcare providers across the state to nominate an individual who has gone above and beyond their role um, in the past year. We will be uh, we're just just kicking off our campaign actually yeah. in planning, but we'll be we are currently and will be in January and February. Uh, looking for sponsors uh, to sponsor the campaign. And we will be accepting nominations uh, starting in April. Yes. And this is one where even as a consumer of healthcare, if you have a provider that you work with that you think really just, if, if you've watched them go above and beyond, or even if, you know, you're, if your neighbor down the street is a nurse who has been doing home visits or, you know, kind of took on some extra shifts to shifts to help out as a tongue twister. <laughs> um, that is, is a great way to recognize them and and say, you know, we see you because a lot of times in healthcare, it's easy um, to be almost a little, you kind of blend in sometimes, I suppose. And there, everyone is asked and called to do so much. And so healthcare heroes is a great way to recognize people and say, hey, we see you, we recognize your hard work, and we want to support you in continuing that. Um, I had the privilege of going last year and recognizing one of the folks in the southern region. At um, It was one of the CTE, the career and technical education teachers at uh, Pinkerton. And so to see all of his students come and celebrate him and be like, oh, my gosh, mister, you teach class with us. You're also an EMT and you also do this and this. And they're like, we had no idea you had this whole big life outside of the classroom. Like, what a cool way to recognize that educator and for the students, especially to participate and see the benefit that person is having out in the community. And that is great. What a, what a great program it is. And uh, 
Jody, any any more updates uh, for us from uh, from AHEC? Yes, yes. So when we think about all of our classes and things that are coming up, um, we actually are thrilled to have. I think I counted eight different chronic disease self management workshops that are coming up in the new year, including one that I get to teach, which is always a lot of fun. All right. So um, for those, if you you know you've heard us talk a lot about these classes over over the course of the show. So if you're interested, you can go to our website. We have it linked on the show page as well. It's snhahec.org. And then you go to self-management and there's a link that takes you right to the upcoming workshops. You can do them virtual, in person, and we hope to see you at a class sometime. And I'm just going to add quickly that the information on the Healthcare Heroes campaign will be on that website as well. Yes. Terrific. Terrific. We have learned a lot today on uh, (laughs) this edition of Your Health New Hampshire, thanks to uh, Jody Harper and to uh, Lynn Carpenter for their participation today on the program that focuses on wellness and health education. And we thank you for uh, listening and uh, being with us today. And we will see you next time on... Your Health New Hampshire, right here on WKXL, nhtalkradio.com. Thanks for listening.